Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 41 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. Since this episode is dropping one day after April 1st, we're doing an April Fool's theme for today. There's a lot of foolish phrases out there for us to explore, and we'll also look at the history of April Fool's Day and fools themselves. Stick around after the outro to hear me make a fool of myself in Let Me Rephrase, otherwise known as the blooper reel. Now it's time to stop fooling around and look into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Let's begin with a brief history of April Fool's Day. Why do people prank each other on the 1st of April? Not kidding, the origin of this one isn't really known. However, it's potentially at least as old as the 14th century, something we know because of Geoffrey Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. In the tales, he wrote about the 32nd of March, which obviously isn't a real day. People tend to think this was either a joke, a typo, or a clever way to say April the 1st. The latter of these beliefs is because April 1st comes after March 31st, so March 32nd would technically be the same day as April 1st. Unless it truly was just written incorrectly by Chaucer, then it's some kind of quip about April 1st, and therefore believed by many to be the first written reference to pranks being associated with that day. So, while good old Jeffrey may not have invented April Fool's jokes, he is most likely the first one to reference them in print. If we don't have Jeff to thank for making April Fool's Day more well-known, then it's likely due to a calendar change. In 1582, France changed from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, and since social media and the 6 o'clock news weren't around yet, it took a while for everyone to get the memo. Thus, some people continued to celebrate the start of a new year during the end of March and beginning of April, instead of the newfangled new year of January 1st. All the people who were now celebrating the new year wrong became fodder for jokes. So, whether it was due to a calendar change or a beloved poem, pranks have been associated with April 1st for at least a few hundred years. Now let's figure out exactly what a fool is. What does it actually mean when you call someone a fool? It's used to call someone silly, unintelligent, rash, or pitied by Mr. T. <laughs> I'm not sorry for that. Why do we use this word to let people know we think they're being dim-witted? Well, it has to do with an old-timey times profession, the court jester, also known as, you guessed it, a fool. Now, a jester wasn't always a fool. It used to actually just be a term used to describe all sorts of old-timey times entertainers, from magicians to singers to acrobats. The actual wording of fool in reference to these performers shows up in the 12th century, most often in the records of their payment, which was usually land for a good, faithful fool. Also, a fun fact, apparently a good, faithful fool was talented at many things, including being able to make music with his derriere. Yes, I actually found several references to skilled fools being able to fart a tune. B. 
Being a fool wasn't all fun and games, though. When not performing, they were usually required to do other work. Anything from cooking and cleaning to joining the king on the battlefield to take messages back and forth between the leaders of the warring factions. Based on who they were a fool for, they could be poor beggars barely getting chances to perform, or rich performers making nightly appearances. But no matter their status, or if their hat had bells on it, a good fool made people happy and filled rooms with laughter by making a fool of themselves. The history of their juggling acts and fart jokes are why we call people who make us laugh, even if by accident, a fool. Now let's talk about how many times we've been fooled. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This is a saying about how getting fooled by someone makes you wary of them fooling you again. Basically, getting fooled one time can be blamed on the person doing the fooling. But if you fall for it again, it's now on you because you weren't careful enough to avoid being fooled the second time. The details of the past of this proverb about pranking are pretty paltry, but it's too perfect to pass up for an episode poking in to foolish phrases. I just realized I need to do an episode or two on tongue twisters. Future me is going to hate past me when I try to record an episode full of tongue twisters, but present me is all for it. Be on the lookout for that, toppers. Okay, time to quit fooling around and get back to fooling around. In all seriousness, no one seems to have any definitive ideas about when and where this saying appeared. But it had to be part of the vernacular by the 8th century, because that's when Homer wrote a version of the phrase in the Iliad. He wrote, quote, Tell him, all terms, all commerce I decline, nor share his counsel, nor his battle join. For once deceived was his, but twice were mine. End quote. This seems to be the first use in print. At least, it was the earliest I could find. But, as I said, no one seems to know for sure. Before we move on, I do want to mention an expanded version of the saying, one attributed to Stephen King. In his book, On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft, which was published in 2000, he wrote, quote, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, shame on both of us. End quote. I don't really have anything else to say about it. I just thought it was worth mentioning since it is a longer version of this fooling phrase. Now it's time to go on an errand. A fool's errand is a pointless venture. Nowadays, many fool's errands are good-natured fun, such as when parents send kids into car parts stores to get blinker fluid. <laughs> just thinking about that makes me laugh. Please tell me you've seen those videos. These kids come out? Okay, you know what? I digress. This is not a podcast about viral videos, but seriously, if you haven't seen a blinker fluid prank video, please go Google it because it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Even though modern day fool's errands are typically fairly mild, the phrase does seem to carry a negative connotation with it, since it reflects a sense of hopelessness due to being unable to obtain whatever you're on an errand for. It hasn't always been this way, though. As we've already discussed, it hasn't always been bad to be a fool. In the 18th century, we find the first known written reference to a fool's errand in Priestcraft, written by a clergyman 
named Edmund Hickeringo. In 1705, he wrote, quote, Did not the Pope send all the princes in Christendom upon a fool's errand to gain the Holy Land, that he might, as he did in their absence, rob them of their territories? End quote. Now, this saying has actually pulled off a sly little trick of its own, because while that's the first known use in print, that's not the true first use. That's because it wasn't always called a fool's errand. It used to be called a sleeveless errand. From at least the late 15th century until around the early 17th century, sleeveless was a popular term used to describe something futile or useless. I guess people didn't really like tank tops back then. Anyway, a sleeveless errand was typically something done to get a person to go away by sending them off to do something they couldn't actually accomplish. A historian named Raphael Holinshed wrote in 1577 that, quote, So as all men might think that his prince made small account of him to send him on such a sleeveless errand. End quote. There's a ton of reasons people think sleeveless was used in this way, but they're all over the board, from clothing to shields to the tokens knights wore on their sleeves, which we talked about in episode 34. Anyway, no one really knows for sure. But, regardless of who first went on a pointless trip with or without sleeves, people aren't likely to stop going on fool's errands anytime soon. And with that, it's time for today's Metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Today's metaphor is a fool's paradise. It's used to describe something good that's about to be ruined by an unforeseen bad thing. This metaphor is often attributed to Shakespeare, for he used it in Romeo and Juliet in 1592. He wrote the following quote, But first let me tell ye, if ye should lead her into a fool's paradise, as they say. End quote. The addition of as they say at the end there implies that this saying was already in use, which is the case here. Sorry, Billy, but another William wrote it down first. In 1462, William Paston, a gentry from England, wrote a series of letters called simply the Paston Letters. And he included, quote, I would not be in a fool's paradise. End quote. So people have been hanging out in a fool's paradise since at least the 15th century. I wonder if they have cheeseburgers there. You know, Jimmy Buffett really wasn't all that clear about what kind of paradise the cheeseburgers were in. Hmm, now I want a cheeseburger. But first, it's time for today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here opened to a section by Cesare Lombroso. And this is from his work, The Man of Genius. He wrote, Klopstock was questioned regarding the meaning of a passage in his poem. He replied, God and I both knew what it meant once. Now God alone knows. I guess Klopstock wrote a poem and forgot what it meant. It's okay, Klopstock few times I tried to write a poem, I didn't know what it meant from the start, so at least you knew at some point. Anyway, thank you, Mr. Lombroso, for today's familiar quotation.
That's going to do it for episode 41. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. You can connect with me and fellow language lovers on Twitter and Facebook. Just look up Turn of Phrases on either site, or go to turnofphrases.com for links and more information. If you want to send me a message or topic suggestions, you can email me, which is brisky at turnofphrases.com, or use my website's contact form. My website also has details about all the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, don't make a fool of yourself. Unless a king pays you to, that is. Toodaloo. And now... This is... Let me rephrase. Unless it truly was just written wrong by Chaucer... That was a text from my father-in-law about Legos being on sale at Toys R Us. And yes, my text tone is Baby Groot saying I'm Groot. I don't actually know if you heard that, but apparently I didn't turn my phone off. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Most often in their... What's clicking? Most often... I lost my spot. The saying, fool on me, that's... Full on me is not right. That's not even a typo. That's just me not being able to speak. This is a saying about how if you get fooled one time, you'll be more wary above... Okay, uh, my mouth just quit working for a second there. Let's try that again. Tell him all terms, all karma... (laughs) That's not right. I just thought it was worth mentioning, since it's a longer version. I don't... Rolling? It's supposed to be fooling, I think? I swear I'm getting worse at my typing up my notes. A fool's errand is a pointless venture. Pointless? Seriously. (laughs) I think I'm getting worse at talking the more I do this. I was already pretty bad at it, so it's not good if I get worse. It hasn't always been this easy, though. Wow, that's really not what I meant to write right there. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say what I'm supposed to have written there, not what I actually wrote. Written by a clergyman named Edmund... Oh, boy. Written by a clergyman named Edmund... No? Okay, it's a simple string of letters. Just (laughs) say it. Hinkeringill. Hink. Hick. Hick. There's no in there, so it's Hickeringill. 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 Written by a clergyman named Edmund Hinker. <laughs> Dang nabbit, I still messed it up. Named Edmund. No, named Edmund Hickeringill. I'm just going to start calling everybody Bob. Bob number seven wrote this book. <laughs> okay, Edmund, I know your name's not Bob. I can do this. Written by a clergyman named Edmund why is this so difficult? It's not even that weird of a name. Hickeringill. Hick, hick, hickeringill. Hickeringill. Okay, I am a grown woman and I can say this word. Written by a clergy. <laughs> now I can't even say clergy. <sighs>
written by a clergyman named Edmund. Can I just skip his name? No. No, you cannot. He wrote it. He deserves to be mentioned. 